Hello, East Glenville Community Church. This is Jessica Munn and Pastor Mitch with episode 14 of So, I Have a Question. And today we're going to be talking about two Sundays. We'll be talking about uh, December 26, 2021 and January 2nd, 2022. Um, two very different messages. Yes, two very. Uh, one kind of closing up one series and the other starting a new series or just transitioning us away from it was a transition to, to get the year started yes so. but okay so to remind us because we we did definitely switch gears between the two um we closed out december and we were talking about the significance of the incarnation and why it was necessary for god's salvation plan and uh we stopped in we stopped that series in the book of revelation and looked at the four songs um, that are kind of found in the book, in the throne room. And my first question to you is, how did you come to the conclusion that all of these were songs? I think I know one of them like specifically says it, but the others, not so much. Sure, because um, sometimes it just says the, the creatures will say, and then it gives the thing, it, it's, I mean, what made it clear to me is, is in my Bible, they, they mark them off because it's in poetic language. Mm -hmm. And so it's written differently. Um, I think the fact that the one declares it's a song is also a key. And, and just, it's a song is just something that is in poetic, a poem that has a rhythm to it. And these come off as, as a praise song, as worship. In fact, most of these songs that were in Revelation, we've turned into worship songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the biggest one being holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. So um, they are certainly seem to be intended as worship songs and not just statements of fact. Mm -hmm. So that that's kind of where I, I got that idea. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Right. But it doesn't mean... Well, I was going to say that I, the, I made a connection to it being like almost like a musical. Mm -hmm. And because, so they're songs, but they're songs that, that start to tell a story. Each song captures and they move in a direction. Mm -hmm. And so where you're at at the end of Revelation 5, a whole new dynamic is, has taken place. So that's the other part that I think maybe clued me into where this was headed. Yeah, no, it definitely, it makes sense. Um, it does lead me to another question though. So in Revelation, as you explained when you started the your talk, um, there's a lot of imagery. And I, like, how were you able to figure out what that imagery meant? And like, why, why didn't John the author just like spell it out? Why use the imagery? Well, the, the imagery is the, the mode of the whole book of Revelation. John is taken up to heaven and said, tell them what you see. And in fact, the, the word we translate revelation is apocalypse. apocalypse mm -hmm. And that has to do with um, something being revealed, visually revealed. And so it, it's inherent to the way the book chose to communicate. Um, and in, in some ways, it's so much more powerful. It's mm -hmm. mysterious. Like, 
we like Paul, Paul's letters, because he's very clear and spells things out more in more detail. Of course, we still end up with a lot of questions about his stuff too. But, you know, if, if it was just spelling it out, you know, analytically, it would be a letter from Paul. But I think Revelation leaves you these images that stick in your head and and speak to people in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the, the Bible's loves to use these different genres and, and Revelation is one of my favorites. How do I, I mean, how, how have I come to this? I have meditated on these passages and tried to figure them out. And, and sometimes it, it just starts to click in a certain way. Um, and I've read other people's takes on Revelation and Sometimes that gets me, and then I, I see it in a different way from them at times too. So, mm-hmm. um, and then then I love when it gels with the other teachings in the Bible when you see how it connects to, and so really, I, I don't know if I made this direct connection, but Revelation four five is the ascension of Jesus. You know where it talks about you know Jesus being exalted in heaven. This is that that taking place. So I think it brings alive other passages that are already there. Got it. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't think you mentioned the connection to the ascension in your sermon, but that that is definitely adds on a, an even bigger picture as to what. Right. The question I really do want to know, because because I. I become so familiar with these and they become sunk in my mind that like, for example, the living creatures represent creation. Mm-hmm. Um, are, were there questions like in your mind is like, does that really what it is? Or might it be something else on some of these, these, these things that I kind of stated, where, where did you say, well, I, I need to think about that or which ones like once I said it, Oh, that's so clear. That's definitely it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head because I, I myself have studied Revelation a bit. And so like things like the, the 24 elders being, you know, the 12 disciples plus the 12 patriarchs, like that's something that is just a like no brainer to me too. Um, right. Because I've heard but that it it then represents the people of God through history. Yeah. Like that, then that, in fact, that's the extra step I, I, I kind of added to that. But okay, go ahead. Yeah. No, and, and it makes like it because it represents both of, yeah, both both kingdoms, you could say, of God's interactions and reigning. So it, I do like how you're paraphrasing it of like the people of God throughout history. But yeah. Um, there was. I think one thing that I hadn't. Where to go? I also, of course, think I might have left my Bible that has most of my notes in it <laughs> sure. at, on Long Island. So I'm trying to use a different one. Um, yeah, and when we do this by Zoom, it's we're like, <laughs> especially over Christmas break, our brains aren't working quite the same. And it's been a while since I've done this one, so no worries there. Yeah. Okay, so the I think there was one... The last song, um, I had never made the connection that the, like, or I, I guess 
it was never specifically brought to my attention that that whole song is both sung to like God who sits on the throne and also the lamb. Yeah. And so when you pointed that out, I was like, oh, yes, like they are, they are, it is sung to both of them. Um, because and I that's think- what I mean by the ascension. Yeah. Right? He is now seated at the right hand of the father in heaven and both now are being worshiped. That's the distance where before God, the father alone was worshiped, God, the creator. Now, father, son are worshiped together. Right. And I, I think usually I would have looked at it at like specifically just about Jesus, actually, because mm. he is the one who ends up taking the scroll. And so, right. but, but just like the fact that it's, no, it's actually to both of them because they are both one. Um, mm. Yeah. I, so, so that was one where I was like, oh, I had always just assumed it was just like, oh, that song was just to Jesus, not right. to the lamb. Um, And I think I think that was the main one. Um. The thing I I think with the living creatures that um, the whole idea that it has the the wings and the eyes and these are are just weird cherubim I guess they're often called mm -hmm. um, that but again that that to me, that's representative language. The eyes that that nature, the the created nature, can can see all things. Like it's it has because it's all all over, mm. and it's it's in motion. The 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 wings and and I mean I don't know if that's exactly the what those are meant to represent, but um, that's one of the things. Like I think our the question is is how much is it literal. Like if you were transported up there and I think in some ways there's a bit of both to it. Uh, but even in the literal, it's representing in heaven stuff that's happening in the earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Or mm. it, it makes sense to me that that would, that those creatures would correlate to being all of creation. Right. And it's because of the song they sing. Yep. Um, that 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 corresponds to exactly what Paul says about, you know, what we can know by creation in Romans one. We can know God's eternal power, and His divine nature. And what do they sing? They sing, "Lord God Almighty, mm -hmm. His power." They sing about Him holiness that He's He's separate, He's transcendent, His His divine power, and then His eternality. He was and is and is to come. Yeah. And so that's where I think you you see the. You see in Revelation the the visual imagery conveying what Paul says in a letter. Yeah, yeah, and just another reminder that even though they're different genres, saying Paul's letters or the Revelation, we can't like. Sometimes it's best to study the Bible with the whole picture in mind. Um, right. Because right. if least... you just took Revelation out by itself, you can miss something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you just rely on Revelation, you're you're in trouble because <laughs> people that get too much into it tend to go astray. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but when you read it in light of the biblical truth that's been conveyed, that is it, it is one of my favorite books. Yeah, 
so I have another question. Okay. Um, so you kind of jumping around a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, you ended your talk pretty much um, talking about like, is if Jesus is worthy of our worship, of our time and our devotion, and also like what gets in the way of our mm. worship. Um, and something that I also noticed as I was just kind of going through my notes is um, I, I really appreciated the way that you kind of laid out how one song like kind of now I'm not going to be able to think of the word what was the word um it, it moved the next group of people to sing the mm. next and like I was just thinking through that and how sometimes like we're not we do things more out of religious obligation um than like one person being moved to do something and how like when we actually let ourselves um maybe take a, a step out there and let I don't want to say let ourselves get carried away because that's not what I mean, but, you know, let ourselves take away everything that hinders us from fully worshiping, whether it's through musical song or through prayer or through like scripture re reading, then others can see that. And then they might be moved to do the same. Yeah. I think it it's, speaks to the, the necessity of corporate worship. I, I distinguish between private devotion, mm -hmm. which I think is vital, uh, but that's that's you and God alone. Um, and some people call that a type of worship, and it is a type of worship, but, but corporate worship, because um, our praise and worship is not, I mean, it's directed to God, but it, it does have an impact on others. Mm -hmm. And there's something different when we're in the room together <laughs> I mean, the irony being, I wasn't in the room with y'all, you know, for that message. And this last week, we weren't in the room together. And and I hope, you know, this last Sunday was moving for people in, in as best as we could be. But I, I know we need to be together because I, in some ways, we feed off each other. If that's, mm -hmm. you know, you talk about a, you know, speaker feeding off his audience. I feel that it, it is harder to give a message when I'm looking at a computer screen. It's so much harder. And I, I, I want to be back where I'm looking at people's faces and, mm -hmm. um, um, but, but especially with the singing, like there are times I've shown up to worship and I don't want to be there. And you, you don't want to say just out of obligation because sometimes obligation gets you in the room. Right. And then the Holy spirit can work, especially when, other people are tuned into the Holy Spirit in ways that we aren't, or other people are coming in with a different heart for that, that day. And so ideally, you know, most of the time we're coming in with the heart to worship, even if sometimes all we can, the best we can do is get ourselves there yeah. because God moves in us together in that. And so our worship, it is important that we show up. It is important. We gather. And yeah. Yeah, I think that's why, like this past summer, I loved when uh, we were doing the Thursday morning prayer meetings, because mm. I find the same thing, like just with musical, the same as musical worship when I do prayer in that, like, it is, I find it easier to be able to feed off others in the room um, when we pray to, corporately together versus if just like one person is praying or if I'm just praying by myself. Yeah. Um, and there's there's definitely times when like, prayer meetings have accidentally gone long because it's like it just you know one you can just build off of each other 
in a yeah, way yeah. that's different than uh yeah but. yeah um to back up just one one thing are have we played that out what we wanted to say with that that topic so um the we talked about the the different things representing so the seven sealed scroll I realized one of the things that I teach is, is different than some other pastors. And I've, I've heard, so a lot of times the view of the seven sealed scroll is that is God's judgment upon humanity, because as the scroll is opened, the earth is blasted with all the God judgment. So they see it as God is angry. The scroll is the judgment. Mm. Um, what I look at is the, the, the result of the scroll being opened and eventually it ends with the kingdom of God coming to earth. Mm. And so I see the scroll as God's plan of redemption. Now the outworking of that plan does involve um, the four horsemen and, you know, the different things that, that God allows, you know, that it wasn't just going to be God snaps his fingers and boom, the kingdom of God is fully formed on earth. Instead, God was going to allow certain things to play out. Mm -hmm. But that Jesus' work and what he did is key to that, that kingdom coming. So I, so here, I just sort of in a sense want to be honest with people. Like other pastors have a different take on what that means. Mm -hmm. And um, so sometimes it's helpful to know that. Yeah, no, and I... I definitely appreciate that. And I think that actually, I would, I would find myself in your camp. Um, and, but one of the things is that like, I know in the, I know that in the Bible, just like they use, you know, different themes, they also use specific numbers to represent things. And so like, I know the number seven, especially in Hebrew culture, means like completeness and fullness, which yes. is why. And so like the fact that there's seven seals on the scroll to me means that opening it brings the complete fullness and the redemption and yeah. the reign of God's kingdom. So. Yeah. And at the opening of the seventh seal, there's a declaration. Now the kingdoms of earth are the kingdom, something to that the kingdom of God has come on earth. Yeah. And, or the kingdoms of earth are belong to Jesus Christ. So, so that fulfillment of that plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to throw that in. I, I came to mind as we were talking. So you can go back to whatever our next question was. Our, our scheduled uh, program. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Um, okay, so I think I had one more question um, about Revelation. And it's actually kind of, you, you tied something in at the end. So uh, you, hold on, where'd the thought go? Um, okay, so you, you kind of mentioned that there, there, has to be some connection between our worship and what happens in the heavenly realms. And you used uh, like Luke 15 and first Corinthians 11 kind of as examples right. um, of that. So I know just from, you know, looking at different denominations and stuff that there's kind of people who span on both extremes of the, like, no, everything is preordained. And like, we don't influence any of it. It's all God to the, like, we have extreme influence because we're made in the image of God. And like what we say, when we say mm. it in the Lord will happen. And so like, where, where do you, 
obviously from what your comments, you're somewhere in the middle. So like, do you know where about you are? Well, the only distinction I would make is what I was talking about is, is the participation of the angels ah, okay. in worship. That's something about our worship, the angels engage with. Okay. And that's where the, um, the comment from first Corinthians 11, which is really obscure and could be interpreted other ways. But Paul says, you know, do this worship right because of the angels. Somehow um, they are there. And, and we see that in Revelation that the, the heavenly throne room is paying attention to the, the, the life of the church on earth. Mm-hmm. So um, as for moving God, I, it always seems to me that God has incorporated in his sovereign will our decisions in ways we can't imagine. Mm-hmm. And so when you see it in heaven, God already seems to know what we were going to decide and had already incorporated that into his plan so that his plan is sovereign, and yet we seem to have had some voice in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, whether that's Calvinism or um, the opposite, I don't know if it's quite either, but that's what I keep seeing happen in, in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So anytime you say God has it all completely mapped out and what we have um, makes no difference, then it, then there's certain things in the Bible that make no sense to me. Mm. Um, like Jesus says, invites us to come. We're always invited to make decisions, to, to have agency. So I, I guess that's on one extreme side. Um, and that's probably closer to where we're at as a church. We tend to be reformed. We're more in the Calvinistic reform camp overall. Mm. But I just keep seeing God. God gives room for his people. Um, he did for Moses in the old Testament and not Mo- uh, Abraham, I mean, but also Moses and um, God at least says he changes his mind. Yes. So based on what we say back to him. So I try to take God at his word. Makes sense. Seems a very reasonable thing to do. Right. Now everyone's calling me a non-Calvinist. So I don't, I don't know, you know, I could have gotten in trouble right there. Um, but it, it's it's hard to f- fathom how that works. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's just easier. Well, okay, the way I like to handle a lot of those types of things is just being in the gray area of the like somehow like somehow my decisions influence things. However, God is always in control, and so it's not like I can make a decision that completely thwarts God's plan. Yes. Um. And so it's just like comfortably being in that realm of the like, nope, I'm going to like make wise decisions to the best of my ability because I want to walk where God's leading. But I know that there's not just one set path. Yeah, that sounds right. That's (laughs) I think that's similar to what I said in some ways, but yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So I had no more questions on that. On Revelation or on that. So let, let me ask, throw out to you. Yeah. Would it be worth doing a whole series on more of the stuff in Revelation? Or or would I just be speaking to the Bible nerds out there who love this stuff and everyone else will be sick and tired of it? Uh, I, 
See, this is hard because I am secretly a Bible nerd. So I have to. I know you are. That's I why we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that when done well, the book of Revelation can really be used and like can really reveal a lot about where the church is at and where the church is going um, mm -hmm. and, and the gospel in a way, as you said before, in a way that like, you know, Paul's letters don't quite do it the same way. Right. Um, so I think it would be worthwhile to go through it in more detail. Um, I also appreciate it, the book a lot. So. Good. Well, I'm sure we'll eventually get there. I'm just waiting to sort of see what <laughs> the, the truthfully to do it. Well, I would probably have to do something like what we did where you have discussion options. Um, or maybe I could follow up with people because it is hard to capture in a sermon some of the, the stuff and do it well. Um, so anyways, that, that's, that's the challenge um, of Revelation that to, to capture, to, in some ways you got to make a case for an, a certain interpretation. Right. And I, I, it's, it's a different feel than for example, the sermon that we're going to next, which is very much my, my daughter came up and said, that was, that was less analytical and more emotional. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess it was. So what was your take on Psalm 27? I mean, it's a great Psalm and it's one that I have attempted to memorize or at one point had memorized and, uh, okay. I was definitely reciting along part of it with what you said, because I have learned it the same. The, it was like the 94 NIV, right? Or the 80, whatever. The 84, 84 NIV 84. Yeah. Yes. Um, Which for those who they revised the NIV in, in 2011 and it's not a major revision. I still like some of the previous language. So it, I, once they made the revision, that's actually when I started to switch to the ESV. So anyways, but go ahead. So yeah. you, you had actually had, were pretty familiar with it then. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I appreciated the way you walked kind of straight through it, but, and took it verse by verse, but then also like really kind of brought it home. Um. And I guess I'll, I'll kind of hop into a question that's an example. So uh, verse three, um, David's talking about his like physical foes because mm -hmm. he people were after his life. And uh, you kind of brought up that we don't often have enemies that are out to kill us. We're not in a place that's at war or anything, um, luckily. But like we also, we experience troubles that can feel just like that. Yeah. Um, and so like, and I guess I'm, I'm, you mentioned like reading through the Psalms and memorizing some of them. So a lot of the Psalms, like David has a similar theme of like talking about his enemies, but sometimes he gets a little harsh and just like, kind of says like, God, just like wipe them out. Like just, you know, maybe they Break no their longer, jaw. Um, you know. let them fall into their own trap. Absolutely. No longer and to be honest, I am not bothered by that at all. I know some people seem to be more than me because I really believe when you come to prayer, you're supposed to bring your real feelings mm. and to try to pretend to love your enemies 
when in your heart you just want them to be squashed like bugs, I don't think gets you closer to God. Mm. We're not called to put up a pious front to God. And and now now here's the thing. Also, David hadn't got to the point, like the revelation had not got to the point where we are called to love our enemies. So David was following what he knew knew at the time. And he was praying honestly about how he felt. And it didn't necessarily mean it's better to pray that and put it in God's hands than it is to seek revenge yourself. And so now we who know the gospel can take it a step further. Mm. And when we do pray, I think we still need to honestly lay out, God, this person is trying to destroy me and I don't know what to do about it. I'm so angry. I want you to get it back for me. And maybe God will lead us to the point of forgiving them and the gospel will lay upon our heart and we can, but I I don't know if we start there. Mm -hmm. Um, At least I, I, I think God would rather be honest first. And then, but then honestly listen to where he would lead us. Yeah. So there you go. I, I, you got a rant out of that, didn't you? Hey, uh, it was a good rant. I, yeah. I agree with your rant. Um, no, yeah, that, that makes sense. And I think that just the fact that one of the things that we were talking about this whole past month with the incarnation was how God wants to be in such a close knit, like relationship with us. Mm. that to try to hide what we're really feeling because like oh it's not it doesn't sound like I'm not a good Christian if I'm so frustrated in prayer that I use a curse word because it's the only word that fully expresses like what I'm feeling right um but yeah if I want to be real with God then I need to give him all of myself so yeah and and God would rather have you yell at him and shout at him and maybe use some colorful language at him and and i'm gonna say get it out but but get it get it out between you and god Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's the best start um i (laughs) i mean it's a little weird movie image but the uh captain dan in forrest gump Uh uh-huh there's that scene where the storm is coming and captain dan is yelling at the heavens and and then afterwards he's swimming and he's more at peace and Forrest says something like he just always seemed to be more at peace at that. Like, you know, I don't know if it made a spiritual difference in his life, but um, I could imagine being angry about losing your legs and mm-hmm. having to have it out with God for that. So for those who know that, that movie reference. It's a good movie. Yeah. They don't know the reference. Sure. Yeah. So Forrest Gump, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what what are we? I, I know you put down a question, so I got a question for you. What 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 are some of your other psalms, your other favorite psalms? Yeah, again, don't have my actual Bible with me, but a couple of the other ones that I've gone through and tried to memorize. Uh, psalm forty six. Um, oh yeah, be still and know that I am God. Yep. Yep, that's a good one. And then uh, Psalm one hundred three actually um praise the lord yep oh my soul all that is within me yeah and i know there's there's a couple more i had a like a one-year span where i tried to memorize a whole bunch of psalms and 
the way I did it ended up with, I have a whole bunch of snippets of phrases of the Psalms memorized. And so I just kind of create a Psalm whenever I try to recite any of them. (laughs) It's a combination of several. So, yeah, they do get mixed up in your head and that's in some ways you memorize it for the time that you're in and what sticks there sticks there. Um, So I had to work at re-memorizing Psalm 27, even though I'd done so 20 some years ago. Um, yeah, I lately I, I've been engaging also with Psalm 39, which is very different. It is a lament mm. and it's a lament over our own mortality and, and the shortness of life. And, and that one just caught my attention. And so um, maybe if we have another my plan is when we kind of have one of these Sundays where I, I'm not quite ready to start the new series, I'll throw in one of these one-offs in the Psalms just to, as a change of pace. So, yeah. um, but the other ones you mentioned are, are really good. That um, another one I've I've really dealt deep in is is 62, which is um, and it's not coming to my, but it's about also God being a refuge and and life being you know people being out to get me and and yet how can i have the joy of the lord in the midst of that and my soul being down Mm. so yeah well we're probably getting on near 30 some minutes and is there any other uh big things to talk about i do not have anything else nope all right well we're we're getting ready for the Sunday. There's still some questions up out there, but the, the, we have Mike Sakosha on the calendar to come speak and that'll be great. Mm-hmm. And then coming in mid, mid January, I plan to start a new series on John 14, 15 and 16. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that, that's our teaser for the, for the next talks. Well, I'm excited. So As always, thank you, Pastor Mitch, and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. All right. Thanks, Jess.